session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook. To get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program, and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week, to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Again, our studio number, 310 310- Four four one zero five five five. Before I get started, I wanted to wish a very happy birthday to my mom. Happy birthday, mom. Love you. Excited to see you soon. Um, let's get into the first topic for today. I wanted to talk about success. It's a topic I've discussed before my definition of success, where I think society tends to have it inverted or backwards the way we measures success or who we think of as successful and it's come to my mind even more lately seeing um, I've been entering into the NFT space for those of you familiar with it uh, and and seeing people in general with what has happened in society over the recent years I think nowhere in history and this is probably going to continue to be the case have we been able to get famous or accumulate wealth for doing so little with the advent of um, the internet and web 3.0 and these different technologies that have uh, you know arrived and are now here people can get famous become wealthy for doing very little and I think it's made that appeal and allure even stronger that oh I could be famous and the entry requirement and the effort required might not be so much. And so this is, for me, an important reason to rethink how we look at these things because the things that people think will make them happy and feel good tend not to be the case. And so if we don't think about how we are living our life and deliberately and consciously have the right values going forward, unfortunately, we're very likely to regret where we end up down the line. And so... What most people think about if I say, who are the most successful people in the world? And you think to yourself, probably the first thing people will say is, who are the wealthiest people in the world? So uh, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, the people that we know of as being very wealthy. Uh, We might also think of famous people as being successful. Um, And those people who have lots of followers on social media would be considered successful also. That's a new measure or index. I think some of this is also because it's so hard to come up with determinations. We go to things that can be quantified. So followers, very quantifiable. Money, very quantifiable. And that's why they put these, who's the richest now? And based on changes in the market, maybe now this person is the richest and this person has moved down the list. Uh, Fame, a little bit harder to measure. It's usually measured in other ways like followers and things like that these days. But we like to have things that give us numbers so we can be very clear about it. Now, the uh, issue, though, is that for me, those are all things that you get. Money is things you now get or have. Followers, fame, attention. It's what you are getting. And for me, when we look at what 
will make life meaningful and also what will genuinely to me be considered success is what you give to the world. So it's not what you get from the world, it's what you give to the world. That should be how we measure success. So rather than fortune, wealth, fame, uh, attention, followers, we should be looking at the positive impact someone has made, the contribution they've made to the world, how much they've given to the world. That should be our measure of success as a society, but more importantly, individually, which I will get to that issue as well. And at times there will be an overlap, because if you do something that has a big impact, you might make a lot of money and get a lot of attention along the way. And actually, a lot of times it can be hard to make a huge impact without getting some attention, because whatever you're doing has to be seen or be uh, touching people in some way or affecting people in some way. So it's not to say that fame or wealth has to be seen as bad or as an indication that a person has bad intentions or is doing a bad thing, but it shouldn't be our intention going into it, the desire to just make money or to become famous. The analogy I sometimes use is you can have two people who want to become singers. One person wants to become a singer to make a lot of money, have a lot of fame and attention and, and live this type of a life. And someone else might want to become a singer because they feel they have something to share with the world. They want to sing songs that move people and touch people in an emotional way and uplift them or connect to them. And so their intention is to create art, to create music. Now, that person might also become famous and make lots of money, but their intention will be different. And so I'm trying to encourage all of us to think of it in that way, because it's so easy to get caught up in the more traditional way of looking at success, where it's about making money and getting famous and all those things, rather than what can I contribute to the world? And so this gets to that other aspect I was talking about, that even when I say it this way, we can start to think of, well, let's compare who's contributed more to the world. This person did this, this, and this. This person did that. Let's compare them. And unfortunately, it's very natural for us to compare. We do it quite automatically without thinking. Whatever we do, we, you could see this in sports. Who's be better, Messi or Ronaldo? Who is the best this? Who is the best that? The top 10 movies of all time. And when you make lists like that, even I made my top 10 books of last year. Um, when we make these types of lists, they usually get a lot of attention because people, even though we kind of know if someone says these are the best 10 movies of all time, it's not based on something that's real or purely objective. We tend to get interested in them because we like comparisons. Who is the best? What is the best? And this attracts our attention. And so even if we switch our view of success and recognize that, as I'm saying, we should make it more about what you give rather than what you get, it's very easy for us to then fall into the trap of, well, who is giving the most? And let's make a list of that. Who's the most successful using this new definition of success? And so here we have to recognize that what I would advocate for is looking at yourself as an individual. How can I contribute to the world? What's my potential based on my genetic type of 
predisposition strengths and weaknesses, my environment and things that are around me, different factors that go into play, how can I become the most successful in the sense of giving to this world? Comparing people is going to get us into a lot of trouble because, first of all, there's going to be no way to define it. But anyway, we don't really know what people's potentials are. It's hard to, to measure that. And then people might get into, well, based on your potential, let's measure who got closest to 100%. And so all of these exercises are just going back to this notion of finding the best because we care so much about ranking people or comparing people or saying who's better or worse. But it's an individual type of thing. So ask yourself, what's my contribution to the world? Now, when I say that, of course, it first can seem like, okay, these huge impacts and you have to change some social issue or cure some disease or do something on that scale. Obviously, those are good things. Most of us won't do anything like that, and that's okay. Creating meaning and creating co contribution in our life, it shouldn't be just looked at as these big types of things. I think this is also what happens with media, but also social media. We get attracted and attached to these big things and we forget that most of the good that's done in the world is in the little things even this reminds me of an analogy we can look at in relationships where people think romance is some extravagant trip that's you know going to paris and having something super romantic or doing some huge grand gesture that's romance those things can be romance but what really romance comes down to and what's going to have a bigger impact in your relationship is small moments that you have together where you, using John Gottman's language, turn towards your partner to listen to them, to notice that even though you're busy, you can tell they are feeling down, so you want to go check in on them and make sure they're okay. To me, those form the foundation of the relationship, if we think of it as a building, and those grand gestures can be like a penthouse, like a cherry on top. They can be up there but if there's no foundation those things are very empty and the whole thing is going to collapse so there's no structure underneath those huge romantic gestures and they won't feel as real if you don't have that genuine connection so we often think of romance as these big grand gestures but it really boils down to much more the day-to-day -day types of interactions so when you think of what you are contributing to the world it's not just to the world at large it's to people around you First and foremost, the people you have relationships with, especially ones where there's some degree of responsibility. If you are a parent, then of course, there's a lot there. A big part of your contribution to the world, if you are a parent and decide to become a parent, is the way you love and nurture your children or your child. That to me is a huge contribution in creating a healthy child as much as possible. An emotionally loved child that feels good about themselves and they can continue to contribute to the world because actually when we create children and that don't feel good about themselves that don't feel taken care of they're less likely to actually give to the world they might take more from the world because they don't feel as okay inside a lot of what we strive for things like fame and fortune are coming from some void within us we all like it to a degree no one would dislike having those things but when there's such a strong feeling of almost desperation or need for it it's usually because we're filling some hole within us that won't get filled by those things it's like you're hungry but you keep drinking water you might feel full for a second if you fill your stomach with water but quickly it goes away and you need it again similarly if you 
don't have that sense of being lovable and good, that sense of self-esteem rather than shame, that sense of self-love rather than self-hatred or self-doubt, then you won't feel good enough to then be okay and then take care of others, take care of yourself first and others. You'll feel like you just need to be taken care of. So it's important for each of us to look at what can be my contribution. And I can assure you all of us will fall short of that potential that we have because we'll be afraid to take the chances that that would require to do different things, to get out of our comfort zone. All those things will make it virtually impossible to say you're going to meet it 100%, but I hope it's something we will all strive towards and consider that whatever it is you're doing now, you probably can do more. By more, I don't mean doing the same things harder necessarily, but doing different things to, to contribute and to give to others. And I'm reminded of Eric Fromm's um, statement in The Art of Loving that when we give, we usually say it's better to give than receive because giving is more painful and that way it's more noble. Oh, look, I'm giving. Look how good I am. Everyone see that I'm willing to pay a price for others. But as he says, it's that in giving, we feel our own strength. We feel good about ourselves. It feels good to give. So it's not because it hurts that giving is better than receiving. It's that it actually does feel good to give itself. It's not just a consequence of how others will see us that it'll make it better. And that's how we feel about life. If you develop some skill, a talent, you become a doctor, and now you're treating a patient, hopefully you'll feel good that I've studied and gained this experience and gone through these challenges to now help this patient either save their life, make their life easier in some way, help them in some way. And so here again, we can see that analogy. If you become a doctor, because we know that, let's say, in a Persian culture, you'll be seen in a certain way and get certain attention and people will be proud of you and all of those things. Yes, that'll be there, but I hope your intention is more to be able to give to others, to help others. I want to have that. The status is coming because you're helping others. Now, we sometimes then lose sight of the goodness of it and just get focused on the, the status part of it. But I would hope you become a doctor to help others more than anything rather than to get something from it. So we should redefine success. It's not what you get, but what you give that makes you successful. All right, let's go to a commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 310-441-0555. Let's go to a caller now. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Fred. Hi, thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I'm 63 years old. Mm-hmm. My wife is 52. And we have a daughter 12 years old. Okay. Recently, I noticed that she's pulling her eyelashes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that worries me. Uh-huh. When she was younger, also she caught her fingernails. She doesn't have fingernails. I mean, she she caught it with the other hand and the feet also the uh, the toes, you know. Mm-hmm. So I wondered if something serious, we should take her somewhere. Well, it's. It's 
possible. Usually these types of things it's related to anxiety or there could also be ticks, but it seems like anxiety and pulling hair. There's something called trichotillomania where people pull their hair out. Um, usually it's an anxiety type of uh, issue. Now, let me ask you a few questions. Uh, it seems like there's a considerable age difference between you and your child. Are there other, do you have any other children or she's the only child? No, she's the only child. Okay. Um, so I can see there's, you know, when you had her, you must, she, you must have been about 50 when she was born. 50, 51. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so now you're asking if it's an issue. It can be. The thing that's very important for me is how you... Um, approach this, which I'll ask you about it first, and then we can get into that. So, when it came to the the fingernails when she was younger, and then especially now with the eyelashes, have does she talk about it? Do you talk about it? What's been going on in dealing with it so far? Well, I've been. Uh, I I asked her why you are doing this, and her mother also, and she's saying that she, it itches and she feels uncomfortable. And she pulling it out, mm -hmm. and I think this is a relief. Like she feels more yeah. comfortable when she does it. She and does it's noticeable because when you see the eyelashes, it's missing, and it starts growing back again, and she pulls it off again. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's recently; it's not long time. It's been about maybe a month or two, mm -hmm. and I'm just concerned. Yeah. Um, so let me, let me, you know, beginning with that, uh, it's understandable you're trying to understand what's going on. So you ask why. Um, but if we think about it, what's a, a good answer for that? Probably, now maybe it does itch. It seems like there's some kind of urge or something's going on. There is some kind of relief or release. Usually with these kinds of things, the person doing it also can feel some shame. So it has similar to different types of compulsions even like drug use where someone um, feels some feeling build up and then they do the action and then afterwards they feel bad about it but then they might do it again that's probably what she's experiencing so we can be pretty sure she feels bad about this too so what we want to make sure is we don't make her feel worse I I'm pretty sure your your daughter's not like this is really fun and good and I want to keep doing it it probably feels almost uncontrollable for her. So I, I would be very aware of how you approach her and don't say, well, why are you doing this? What's wrong? Almost like a what's wrong with you? Because she probably doesn't quite know why and she doesn't like it either. So, um, you know, it's like the house is on fire and we're trying to just say, well, why is there fire? But it's like, well, we have to deal with the fire first before we can try to just say why. And so in this case, she probably doesn't quite understand it. And it's also telling us she probably has other uh, anxiety feelings that are important to look at. So it's not just about pulling the eyelashes. It's what is that telling us about her and what she's going through. So we don't want to just focus on eyelashes as the only thing. We want to look at her as a whole person, meaning that, well, what's getting her to this point where she's doing that or she, she's doing these things. So that's something that I want you to be aware of when you approach her and even if it's about getting some help, which might be a good idea, we want to make her feel like it's not that, oh, what you're doing is so bad, pulling your eyelashes. Even sometimes parents will, you know, it's ugly or it's going to make you look this way. Those things aren't going to help her. She's already feeling bad about it more than likely. Obviously, I can't speak for her, but people in this situation generally do. And you saying that is going to only make her feel worse. 
if we approach it as it seems like something is bothering you and me and your mom, we haven't been able to help you. We want to help you. Maybe if it would be good for us to get you some help because you deserve that. You don't deserve to feel this way. So I at times tell parents, be aware of saying you need help versus you actually you deserve help. And in this case, she definitely does. Something is not feeling good for her. She doesn't feel good in some way. As I said, we don't want to think she's enjoying what she's doing. Even if it gives her that temporary relief or release in the moment, she more than likely feels very bad about it afterwards. Yes, last time um, I talked to her, I said, when you do that, it makes me feel bad. I, 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 I'm uncomfortable and I hope I can, you know, can do something to help you, something like that. I thought. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And look, I understand your, it must be hard to see her doing this and going through this and you do you do mean that you want to help her and it's hard for you to see that as is always the case as parents we want to make sure we don't make our kids feel responsible at our at all for our feelings so she shouldn't stop oh. doing it for you she has to stop it for her but not just stop it we have to try to understand it and deal with it it's not just a this is not a surface issue you know oh if we put something on her eyelashes where it stings i don't know something it's she'll stop it's not about that. We have to look at something deeper is going on in the, the sense of her anxiety or how she's feeling and doing in general. So the eyelashes, like I said, I don't want you to focus on that. That's the problem we're seeing now or the way it's showing itself, but there's much more going on. So mm-hmm. I would advise against making it about your feelings or your wife's feelings or how people are going to see her and recognizing that your daughter is hurting and that's what's most important. You know, what people think or how people see it or anything else doesn't matter at all. What really matters is clearly if she's doing this, she's not feeling okay. And that's most important. So your suggestion, uh, your suggestion that we see someone? I think more than likely that'll be a good idea. But again, the way, even I would talk to her about it and make sure you have some conversations to show her, um, you know, this is my recommendation of how you're approaching it should be different that it's not that dad doesn't like this or this is hurting your dad's feelings when I see this because that to me is not what we want to give her the sense she's not responsible for how you feel if she does something you don't like that's that's not the reason why she should or shouldn't do it now a lot of times the things that'll make you feel good are healthy for her too so they're aligned but in this case again she's doing something even she doesn't like and she feels bad about you know so if we tell her, and now it also makes me feel bad, she's going to feel even worse. And more than likely, it might make her do it even more because she's pulling her eyelashes in some ways to get a relief. So the more we make her feel bad, the more she's likely to do it. This is why actually even when people have addiction, let's say someone has an alcohol problem, if they haven't drank for a while and then they do drink, if they beat themselves up more, they say, oh, you're so stupid. How could you do this? You're a loser. They're more likely to drink the next day because when they have all these strong feelings, the way they've learned to deal with them is drinking. So unfortunately, they're more likely to drink rather than if they can approach themselves in a more compassionate way that, okay, yeah, you messed up, but you know, that's okay. Let's try to do better for ourselves now. That mindset is more likely to lead to success than if they beat themselves up. So we don't want to make her feel worse about this. Sometimes we think maybe they don't think it's bad, so we have to make them know it's bad. She almost definitely does not like this. So 
I would try to have conversations with her where you try to understand what it's like for her or what she's going through and non-judgmentally just hear her out. Let her tell you about it. She doesn't open up. Okay. Well, but because some of... When I tell her, yeah. um, she says, like, when her mother talked to her, she's a kind of, no, don't tell daddy. Yeah. Well, but why do you think she's saying don't tell daddy? Because she knows I get not upset, but get sad. Yeah, that's, and that's my point. So if we're saying we want her, you know, when we say she doesn't open up, uh, I mean, some of it's going to be her, but a lot of it's also going to be how does it feel to open up to mom and dad? Is it really comforting? Does it make me feel better? Or does it make me feel worse? And right now she's saying it makes me feel worse. So imagine she has this problem, this pain, and rather than you and your wife being someone or some people that she can come to to feel better, she thinks, oh, it's going to make it worse. So how do I also hide it from them? And that's why we yeah. don't want to make it that, well, daddy's going to be so sad if you do this. Because now what does she do when she does it? She can't tell you because it's going to make you sad or she might be afraid to tell you. So we have to be aware that making her feel worse, the way you're describing your daughter, I mean, most people feel this way, but if they have anxiety and this, there usually is some shame associated with what they're doing. Unfortunately, they already feel too bad about themselves. You know, she's not doing this because she thinks it's really fun and cool. She feels like she doesn't know how to control her feelings. And this is one way she's learning to deal with it, which unfortunately then makes her feel worse. So we want to make sure we're not making her feel even worse about what's going on. So we want to have conversations. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I get to her, so how can I help you to not do that? I wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even go, I would start with, I don't, you, you know, obviously we want her to stop doing that, but not even making that the goal of the conversation. I want you to first to understand what she's going through. Because right now you, you don't, which I mean, I don't understand exactly what your daughter goes through, even though I've seen people go through but similar she's very things. good at the school. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, she gets like 100% everything. Well, that's a problem too. 100% kind yes. of concerns me. Yeah. So there's a perfectionism. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what, you know, what we want to make it easier for her to not be okay, which I know sounds strange. Easier for her to say she did something wrong or she, you know, I would want her to come and say, you know, right now she wouldn't, but you know, oh, like dad, last night I was so stressed and I didn't know what to do for my homework and I pulled some of my eyelashes out. And for you to respond like, let's, okay, well, how are, you must have been really upset. What happened? Rather than, oh, that's a bad thing that you did, you know? She already knows it's bad. We want her to be able to tell you. So it, it's going to take some time to change the relationship because uh, first you have to really want to and believe that what I'm saying makes sense. But it's going to take some time because even if today you tell her something in that way I'm just saying right now, she's still used to you responding a certain way that it won't make a difference. She still will probably say, oh, no, Dad, I don't want, you know, it's okay, I'm fine or she won't want to talk about it. But we want to show her yes. it's more and more okay. It's going to take a long time for that to change. So be ready for that, that, you know, even if you tell her um, today what I'm saying or try to change the, the dynamic of the relationship, it's going to take some time. But I hope you'll shift from trying to make her feel like it's so bad to we love you no matter what you're going through. And if you're hurting... Your hurting is the most important part. Your pain is the part I care about the most. And I want to help you feel better. And I want to help you. I would even tell her, I think I haven't made it easy for you to tell me how you feel or if you're going through something. And I'm sorry for that. And I want to work on making it easier 
for you to tell me. The way you describe her to me, I think she would probably get uncomfortable from this conversation, and that's okay. Don't push it too much, but she probably will get uncomfortable. And then give her some space, you know, to figure it out. So um, I, I would just be aware of that. Now, seeing somebody, I think likely, yes, it would be good for her to see definitely a psychologist, possibly even a psychiatrist, but I wouldn't want to go to medication first, but a psychologist who works with kids and also who works with things like tics or trichotillomania, which is what we're talking about here, pulling out hair. It's a kind of a tough um, word to to spell out, but trichotillomania. I don't know. Have you heard of that before? I read it on the internet. Okay, yeah. So we want someone that has experience with children who are, who are dealing with this because not every therapist... I've worked with clients with this, but to be honest, it's not my specialty or something. I would say I have um, so much experience that I would say I would be the right person. So we want to work with someone who knows this very well because it is a sensitive topic and one that has to be dealt with appropriately. But as I said, even how you approach her, I hope it's in the sense of because you deserve help, not because what you're doing is so ugly or bad or wrong or not good and makes us feel bad that we have to stop this so you don't embarrass us or whatever. I'm not saying you're saying these things, but this is what I hear from a lot of parents as a way of trying to, they think, help their their children, but it doesn't help. It just hurts them and makes it harder for them to get no, better. I, yeah, I think I approached it wrongly because I said you have beautiful eyelashes. Yeah, I'm sure she does. And she deserves to have them there and to... You know, you know, deal with this a different way. But right now she feels stuck and we have to help her get unstuck and, and pushing her down won't help her get up. You know, we have to help her feel better about herself that we'll love her even if she pulled all her eyelashes out. We don't want that for her, but we would love her no matter what she did in that way. We don't want her to hurt herself because we love her, not because it looks bad, looks bad to others, makes us feel bad. You know? No, I didn't think that it looks bad. I just know something bothering her. Yeah. Right. And so if oh, something's I... bothering her, even if she stops pulling her eyelashes, that doesn't mean the thing bothering her has gone away. And that's what I want us yeah. to focus on is, okay, you're hurting that you're doing this. Rather than fo focusing on the doing this part, let's focus on the hurting part, which is really where the meaningful part of what's going on is happening. And likely she's not feeling good about herself. And that's where we want to make sure you and her mom are doing everything you can to make sure she feels better about being who she is and being herself, not feel worse about it. And that's that's the, the hard work that I, I hope you will focus on changing that dynamic in the relationship. Yes, looking at getting help, but I would even talk to her about that and make it clear that it's not because she's such a problem, but because it seems like she's hurting and you want to help her feel better. Um, and there might be uh, several conversations, not just one. But, uh, you know, overall, I hope the dynamic of the relationship can change towards the problem with your daughter might be she's too hard on herself. So she doesn't need you and her mom to be harder. You know, we need to make it easier on her. I see. I, I talked to, talk to my wife about her schooling. I told her that I want you to be average. I heard from your father. <laughs> I, I like you no matter what. And good. she didn't like that either. Oh, average is not good. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. She's already, it's good for you to give her that and really mean that. The thing is, already it seems like this, she's internalized this perfectionism at some level. So 
average sounds horrible to her, sounds like a big failure. And, you know, we can't just convince her it's an emotional feeling. So don't think that if you tell her she's going to just change her mind. But it's good to show her that that's really what you feel and show her, not just say it in statements, how we respond is very important, that she feels that it's okay if she's average or she makes a mistake and all those things. I tell her that she's doing a lot of things much better than I do. I make mistakes every day, you know, I tell her that. That's good. I mean, you know, look, we, we, we we're going to keep showing her that it's okay to be how she is. Here with this, what she's doing with her eyelashes, it's it's telling us something inside of her. There's a big pain and big worries that she has. We want to help her with that. So like I said, I wouldn't even focus so much uh, almost at all on the eyelashes themselves. I would focus more on how she's doing and what this is telling us about the pain she's experiencing. Is that okay to ask her if she's feeling something bad or something wrong you you can i mean you know be you know we always have to look at what's the conversation like with with you know the, the types of conversations you have with her so is it comfortable for her to tell you that yeah like mom yeah dad i feel really bad or i worry about school or i think i'm stupid or you know and ask yourself how would i respond if she said those things and giving her the space to show you the, those feelings so you know like i'm saying my suggestion getting help is a more specific thing what i'm recommending is a bigger picture type of a thing that will take some time so you're going to keep trying to be more open make her feel less judged about sharing things all those types of things so you want to slowly make her feel more okay but recognizing it's going to take time and don't think that just because you start saying something differently it's going to change how she feels in the relationship but over time it can do that and i hope both you and your wife will approach her in that way Okay. All right. Thank you, nice Thank you. talking to you. Wish you all the best. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Farid. This is Kathy. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Hey, thanks for the show. So I have a question. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm currently holding my son. He's two months old. Hopefully, he will cooperate with me for a second. That's okay. But my call is actually regarding my daughter. Uh, he, she is two years and four months. And uh, uh, what happened that recently I've been throwing... I've been going through some argument with my husband mm-hmm. because my daughter wants to, you know, try nail polish, put nail polish on, and not necessarily making a mess. I mean, she kind of make a mess, but well, every time supposed, she sees she's nail polish, make, she wants. She's supposed to make messes. That's part of being two years old. But I know it's, it's yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. But when she sees a nail polish. Uh, or when she sees me like putting makeup on, she wants to touch it. For a nail polish, she wants to try it on and stuff. And there's a couple of times that when she put a nail polish or when I put it for her, my husband all of a sudden went in front of her, put it to the trash. And then she told me that, why are you giving her nail polish? Because now that she's two years and four months, she's going to make that prioritize. And then it's going to affect her future. I mean, I, I, I honestly think this is very irrational, uneducated opinion. But he he says that, yeah, he's going to 
she's going to prioritize it in the future, all this stuff that she wants to do, and she shouldn't even see it, she shouldn't even try it, and uh, don't give it to her, don't buy it for her, because I bought the uh, safe toddler one, mm -hmm. just because I want her to kind of like put it on, make a mess, whatever. But then my husband was like, don't do it, give it, put it to the trash, and I said, okay, this is enough, I'm going to get an expert opinion, okay. and that's why I'm calling you, I want you to elaborate on this, that, I mean, and I'm, my husband is an engineer, mm -hmm. and I'm a PA, but uh, this is just really irritating for me. So, you know, I'm, I'm obviously uh, hearing just your side of things, and, and so it's going to be a little bit unbiased and unfair because he won't be able to share his his opinion or perspective on on the situation um so a few things one is whatever the decisions you're going to make about something like this and in general anything we want it to be done away from your daughter so she doesn't definitely hear like fighting about her or over her or over these things or even just that you know it's creating any kind of conflict and and being part of that back and forth so it's very important. I'm sure it's hard with the baby who I'm hearing in your arms and having her to find lots of time to have conversations without them, hopefully when they're asleep. Um, but these have to be had when she's not around, not not in front of her. Now, when it comes to these things like nail polish, um, I'll, I'm going to use some words that might be a little bit uncomfortable, but I'll say them anyway. I think what can happen is because of how we think of these things like nail polish and makeup as being... Uh, something about women and it's somehow sexualized in some way it can make people feel uncomfortable about their kid doing those things or as he's saying she'll prioritize I don't know you know nail polish or makeup or these things that are either materialistic or too feminine I don't know what his concern is with that and yeah we want to be aware of what when our child does certain things but um, it seems like she probably in some ways is looking at it as somehow bonding with you or being like mommy um, even it can have like an artistic just expressive type of a feel of just painting or doing art you know she draws on a paper she's drawing on her nails it's not necessarily so different in that way so I'm not so worried about it um, as a it definitely becomes a priority how you respond to it can be important and you know, making her feel that she's a well-rounded person. Oftentimes, uh, I've seen in a lot of families, especially Iranian families, that the girls get praised and get a lot of attention for how they look, and that's the most important thing about them. And with the boys, it might be about other things, strength and smarts and those things, and so we don't want to do that starting from a young age. I'm not saying you've done that, but just a, uh, something related to what's coming up. But to me, I'm not so worried about it. But tell me a bit about the back and forth between you and him. You mentioned he's worried about the prioritizing. I want to get a bit more understanding of what you and him are, are trying to discuss and figure out together. Okay, so what happens is, uh, as an example, like I bought the toddler-based nail polish, mm -hmm. and a couple of times I was trying to train her that, hey, you're only allowed to put it on your nails and in a certain area. Well, there's two confliction. Number one, he doesn't want her to make a mess, like put it on the sofa. And then number two, he thinks that if he does, if she does nail polish now, she will learn these things and she will make it prioritize of her life for her future so that she won't like be educational or she won't, uh, 
prioritizes studies on this, or mm -hmm. she wouldn't study and she would make these stuff more prioritized. Like uh, she would, like she would change her values. Uh -huh. Yeah. So and I think mm -hmm. it's very irrational, uneducated, because I'm thinking in my head that what is two, what is two years old know about value right now? All she knows is that she wants to make him, you know, put a nail polish on her nails and. Who cares? You know. Yeah. So we the both are educated. Yeah. But it's just to me, I'm like, why are you trying to be so hard on her? That you know, this is like obviously, like I remember when I was younger, when I was two years old, I always tried my mom wearing like her shoes and her high heel shoes, walking mm -hmm. around, you know, break her makeup. I feel like this is very common, and I don't understand why it is so hard that. He had to go and yeah. throw one of the nail polish away. And, well, yeah, and especially in front of her. So and in front of her. Yeah, I mean, this is. So you know, we do want to. You want to make sure he understands you, but also that you're understanding him in order to get to a better place. Now, as far as values, I'm not concerned that if she does nail polish, now she won't study or something like that. But you know, we are showing our children values from a young age i'm not worried about this but since you mentioned she's two she doesn't understand kids are hearing the messages and what we talk about about what matters what doesn't matter how we treat each other how we you know talk about certain things and what we you know we say so i wouldn't say she's not going to internalize values now but i don't think that nail polish necessarily is this bad value and like i said if we make that the only thing that matters about her and about life yes that can have an impact but Hopefully, especially as she's getting older, we are focusing on other things as she can, let's say, express some things intellectually in a different way. Um, but as I was saying, you have to make sure you try to understand him. So I can understand you clearly don't agree with him. You clearly don't like his well, approach. The, the, but you have to show sorry, him. Uh, yeah, but, but you have to show him. Stop. Yeah, but hold on. But I, have but, him, I have him right now. Here. Okay, okay. So can I, I'm going to pass the phone to sure. you one second. Hello. Hi, I don't know how much of the conversation you were hearing. Well, well, not all of it. I guess for the last couple of minutes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if you, were, yeah. you might have been surprised too. I don't. Know, but she was telling me a bit about this issue, and actually, I'm glad I get to speak to you too because I was telling her that it's always going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to get one side of the story, and it's, I mean, it could be unfair for you not to get to share from your side. But she is talking about your daughter and how she likes to use nail polish, and that for you, you're very against this from what she was saying. But I want to hear from you. Uh, from your perspective, this situation. Yeah, I think I think I think she kind of covered it well. It's not it's not about that. I'm like too worried. It's just it's just I don't want these things to be like her values. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, understand she's a girl. She wants to act like a woman. I mean, that's what she sees from her mom. And at some point, these are the things that she will do anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I mean, regardless of I mean, what, what like we wanted or. You don't want it. It just it is a matter of timing and basically a matter of basically showing her that these are the values of your life, or you should focus on something else. Like, uh, like for example, in my example was just a driving. I mean, I mean she's gonna drive one day, right? But mm -hmm. the thing is, right now is not the right time. Right, but if she was like play driving or doing something, I mean, and I, maybe you're saying this is not play because she's actually putting it onto her nails. I, I get what you're saying, and I, I mentioned that with her too, that um, we want to make sure she recognizes that her value as a human being is so many things. Yes, you know, she can want to do 
girly things if she likes, but also we value her intelligence and her strength and her, you know, so many things that we want her to see herself as well-rounded and not just that, uh, you know, how she looks is most important. And so it seems like you have a concern that she's going to be more preoccupied with her appearance and how she looks to others physically than other things. Is that what your concern yeah, is? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like, like, like whenever I take a shower, like, I mean, uh, like, I want to hair dry my hair, and then, and then she she jumps at me and then, hey, do this for me too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and like and like she loves just listening to music and dancing and just uh, like watching, uh, I guess, dance clips, video clips. Again, nothing wrong with that. It just it just I feel like there has to be a balance. And and I think the honesty is, is on us. And probably I should do a better job too, to like, to like have a healthy mix here. Well, probably. Uh, I mean, at two, you know, also a healthy mix at two will be different than like at ten or something like that. And so it seems like I'm feeling from you this concern of even when you're blow drying your hair and she likes it that it's like this focus on on vanity or looks when really it could just be it's fun and she's seeing you're doing it and it's obviously not bad to take care of ourselves physically and our appearance. I know you're saying you don't want it to be too much of a focus or priority, but it's okay that she wants to do those things. Now, uh, I'm we're at a commercial break, and I, I'm glad you're now part of the conversation. After the break, I'll likely want to hear from both of you and see how we can help for both of you to understand each other and come to some kind of understandings. And then even if we don't make a decision together here, that you go ahead and make a more unified decision that'll be better for both of you and most importantly for your daughter. So I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll talk after the break, okay? All right. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we were with some callers. Let's go back to them now. Okay, I don't know if you both can hear me or you're both speaking. I don't yes, know. Yes, okay. we do. Thank okay. You. So, what did you guys talk about during the break? <laughs> well, uh, I guess it was just uh, kind of reminding ourselves that this is a, uh, we just need to be kind of a, uh, have open ears here and yeah. basically be open. To like uh, other ideas, sure, and that's why we are seeking that mm-hmm. advice here. So that was pretty much about it. Okay, that's good, and that will be a good mindset. And, and more than even being open to what I have to say, what's going to be most important is being open to what you each have to say to each other, because we'll have a we'll have a conversation today, and I hope to be helpful at some degree. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be about what you two keep doing, because hundreds and thousands of decisions will keep coming up including what to do with our baby and i don't know if i is that a dog also i don't know there's lots of um uh, noises coming in i don't know what i'm hearing exactly well, well, but what is that second baby newborn <laughs> oh no i heard the okay that's oh, just that's the baby yeah 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 so you know to wake up here. got it so there's going to be a lot of decisions you'll you'll have to keep making so this one the nail polish itself it's more about just one issue but it has some values in it so um, as I was saying before the break, uh, and if you heard some of what I was saying with your wife, that I'm less concerned about the nail polish itself, meaning that she's going to be obsessed with these things or won't care about the other things. Of course, we want to show her, even if we notice those things, the nail polish, that's not what makes her good or what makes us like her. But I don't know if it'll make her not care about studies or other other things. Um What's going to actually probably impact that more is how you continue to, to deal with her. So 
I, I get your concern, and I hope your wife will understand it. And that's an important place to start, that obviously you both care about your daughter, love your daughter, and want what's best for her. That's where you're both coming from. You have a different opinion or perspective on it, but it can be very good to remember that. Neither one of you is obviously trying to hurt your daughter or do something bad for her. And so we want to make sure we handle it in the best way. Because what she mentioned to me was there were some arguments in front of your daughter, and that to me can be very um, concerning. That could have a bigger negative impact more mm-hmm. than nail polish or not nail polish, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, just so uh, kind of a, uh, uh, one more point to add sure. here is I think, I think uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to basically say or ask that you should take away something like nail polish from her. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I do understand that if that is something that she sees and that she wants it at this age, pro- I mean, probably we have to support it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, all I'm trying to basically say is somehow we need to we need to replace it with some, some I mean something that is going to give her the same amount of joy, makes her happy, but also but also she doesn't feel like I mean we are, I mean we are avoiding it. Okay, so what uh, even what's to your mind something that would replace it? So, uh, so I mean I mean my understanding is like babies are like black I mean there's like a whiteboard right so whatever they see that's what they're going to learn so if if during the day or during the week or once a week for example we want to uh, kind of polish our nails why don't we do it in a kind of privacy not not in front of her for example and then and then let's say do something else uh, if if uh, she sees that dad is kind of reading a book or is, or is, I don't know, watching a, a documentary about something educational. Again, just an example. I'm just thinking loud here. So, <coughs> so the point I was trying to make here is it was, it's not more about taking a break. Is more about finding a very subtle way to replace it. Well, I mean, look, if she sees you watching a documentary, I think what she takes from it is watching TV, not documentary. You know, I don't think she'll be able to differentiate between, you know, a History Channel documentary on World War II and watching a movie. You know, now maybe if it's a cartoon, she might notice some difference. So I'm getting the sense you're, you're right. We want to be aware of things we, we teach our children and what we expose them to is important because uh, once you expose someone to something, you can't unexpose them. So if they start having a lot of junk food from a young age, they're going to crave junk food and not healthier food. So I think there's something to what you're saying. My feeling is that you might be too worried about it, that if she sees some of these things, you only will care about those things. And there's, there's just so much time in a day where she'll be exposed to many things, okay, painting your nails for a, a short amount of time, but then other uh, things as well. And especially at her age, thinking of like education I don't I think that's not to me something yes reading a book a a bit that's something that can be important but educating for her her play is her education right now for her to explore do things try things out have fun make a mess of course yeah make a mess in a way that 
you guys can handle or feel okay with, but still create a place where she can make as much of a mess as she can in that space. We want to give her some of that. And some of what I'm feeling from you, there's a, a fine tuning or too much control is what I'm sensing from what you're saying, that I would give her a little bit more freedom and flexibility and not get too worried that if she's enjoying painting her nails with her mom, this means she won't study as much or won't look at school a certain way or won't be focused on education. It's right now play is the play is the work of a child. I, I think it's Piaget or some, uh, you know, psychologist has said that that's her job right now is to play, um, not to necessarily yeah. learn in the traditional way that we think of learning. Even the way we learn in school is probably not the right way most of the time that it's so structured and rigid in the ways that it is. So um, especially at her age, play is the most important thing, you know, that she can do. I mean, I mean, it doesn't surprise me what you're saying. That mm -hmm. is like probably weird. Or I mean, I'm too much worried, or I'm over controlling. Uh, I've heard these things before too. So <laughs> well, maybe not only about my babies; it's just in sure. general. But I'm sure uh, in your work, so it's it good. Me. In your work, it's probably very good as an engineer to you have to control all the variables that are at your disposal and make sure they are controlled. So I can, I can get that, and it probably will also help you as a parent in a lot of ways too. Sometimes it might hurt you. Now, another thing is. Looking at you and your wife, since I'm talking to you, are there ways that you disagree with her in how things are going from your side as well? Because probably there's more issues than just this thing that's happening. So are there things that you see as your philosophy of parenting or the way you look at things is very different and it creates conflict? Um, I guess not really. I mean, I mean, there might be examples here and there, yeah. but... But like the discussion we had about this nail polish, this is just the, one of the one of the similar examples. So the nature of the issues could, I mean, I mean, it's going to be the same, yeah. But probably on on kind of similar items. Mm -hmm. But but the nature of the issue is 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 pretty much all the same. I mean, she's doing a fantastic job taking care of the babies, and and I think, I mean, sometimes me being a dad, I mean, I'm just I don't know. I feel like I'm less emotional than her. So, like when when she doesn't eat at the table, I'm saying, okay, just leave her alone. I mean, whenever she gets mm -hmm. hungry, she will eat. Versus, like I see mom just chasing after her around the house and just trying to corner her and somehow feed her. Mm -hmm. Well, um, yeah, and so, so here we're seeing that when it comes to some things, you might see that your wife is being too controlling. She's trying to control, for example, how and when she eats in a way. And so this comes up a lot. And obviously, as parents, you are controlling a lot of your kid's life. It's not just like you completely let her go. There, there's obviously your responsibility to take care of so many things. But in that way, you feel like she's being. And, and that's when, you know, you mentioned emotional. And even she used it in her conversation before you. I don't know if you were hearing it, but I think this is irrational and not educated or something like that. And so very often when we have conversations with each other, especially in a romantic relationship, we use you're being emotional or not logical. And it usually to me is not a good place to go because most of the things we're talking about feelings are underneath it. It's not just purely a logical thing. So to just say the other person is being emotional, probably it usually feels like an attack and it doesn't get us anywhere. It's trying to understand where it's coming from. So even here, I don't agree with it either to chase her with food, 
but we can understand she's worried. Am I nourishing her enough? Is she going to be okay? There could be a guilt of not feeding your child. You know, we want to understand the feelings and not just judge them um, and just see where they're coming from. But yeah, so it seems like in some ways you feel like she's controlling and you're more laid back about some things. Yeah, 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 true that. I mean, yeah, uh, I guess I guess for lack of a better word, I use what I use. But yes, mm-hmm. just 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 trying to take care of her in the way that she feels at the moment is the best way to do it. Yeah. And so this um, is it's important to th- talk about these things again. And it's a very important one to have these conversations not in front of her. Now, it's tough because let's say you see her chasing her with the food. And in that moment, you want to tell her, like, don't do that or stop doing that. Um, and so sometimes in the moment, you can say it and if there's a delicate way. But even that, you want to be careful of having that even minor conflict in front of your child to disagree. But you need to talk about that outside of when your daughter is present to really come to an understanding. OK, how are we going to approach this? You know, because uh, this is going to keep coming up, as you were saying before, the the topics might change, but the underneath the themes and the dynamics are likely going to keep being the same. So it seems like maybe you think she's more controlling in some places and in some places uh, you are. Maybe you both are slightly controlling people. And that's why these types of conflicts can come up, like where, you know, she buys the thing and you throw it away because you feel like she's trying to control and you want to take control or, you know, vice versa. So that could be something I, I, I guess I can ask you that. Do you sense this way that you both can have a controlling nature that then conflicts with each other? Is that a question for me yes. or is it a question for her? Oh, I don't know if she's there too. I guess either of you can answer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, what do you think? I, I, Dr. Freight, uh, thank you so much for your comments, but I feel like my husband overall, I don't, I don't think it's kind of like, sometimes I feel like he has uh, no intention, but I think it's kind of, he, he likes to be in control and he cares so much about future, what's going to happen that I feel like he's taking a joy away from present. Hmm. Does that make sense or no? I don't know how to say it. Well, it does make some sense. I want to see from your husband what what he thinks about that. Yeah, I think I think I think I think she's right. Uh, um, uh, uh, I guess that again, that's not an excuse that I'm trying to say here, but I feel like that's how uh, I mean I've been raised. Mm-hmm. Just 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 thinking about future, plan for future, uh, always worried about something might happen. And yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, and, and our lifestyle and, and our background and our culture didn't even help. So sure. Uh, well, so, that, yeah, and I, and I think it's it's uh, ni- good that you're actually you're you're owning it to some degree. Often we get defensive if someone makes a comment like that, um, and so you know we don't have to get into your own personal history too much detail. But you're saying there's, it seems like in some way you learned either from a young age it was your disposition to try to control things and you know uh, you know I don't want to generalize too much from being an engineer but controlling the variables to get a result and you make sure everything is deliberate when you do engineering you don't say yeah we'll just try this and see what happens you say no it has to be exactly this way to get this outcome and in parenting it's going to be a little bit less of that it's much more value driven rather than nail polish no nail polish it's much more to me actually you know you said blank slate the analogy I prefer when we think of our children is uh, you've been given a seed and 
you don't know exactly what type of plant the seed you've been given is supposed to grow into, but you're supposed to give all the good environment, you know, the soil and the sun and the water and other nutrients for the seed to grow to its potential, but you don't say it has to become a rose or it has to become a tree. You are just going to let it meet its potential. So yes, to a degree, our children are blank slates for sure, but not completely. There's definitely dispositions and things that are unique to them that we want to allow for them to explore. So it's not that your child should or shouldn't do nail polish. I would say if she likes it, let her enjoy it. And it's to me, it's also artistic. It's not just, again, all the things we associate as adults in society that it's, you know, either about looks or appearance or it's superficial. Or it's all these things. She might enjoy it and she's bonding with her mom. And she'll bond with her mom over thousands of other things too, not just that. So there could be that mindset of controlling the variables that... Cool would be important to recognize for me as a value in parenting it's much less about control and much more about creating the environment for the child to thrive to become themselves you know um in in the way that they can so that's something i would keep in mind um that to me this is not going to make or break her this nail polish issue uh but making her feel stressed about it if anything making this a stressful thing could make her preoccupied with it much more than just letting her do it you know uh, so that's something to, to be aware of, but also to to be more understanding of each other. I sensed an anger when your wife was talking too towards you, and I hope she can be more understanding of where you're coming from. Doesn't mean she has to say it's right or agree, yeah. but understanding each other more. That you're both wanting the best for your kids. Now you have a, a little boy too, and the challenges are going to keep getting. You know, the challenges actually get harder. Yes, there's lots of decisions to make when the kids are young, but mostly it's very. Uh, kind of systematic, you know, feeding and changing and those things. There's definitely decisions to be made, but as they get older, the more emotional things start to come up as they start to express themselves more. Mm -hmm. And I hope you'll understand each other more, but also allow your kids to express themselves and be who they want to be much more than there's a right way. Because when we think of blank slate, it also means I have to draw the picture on that blank slate rather than letting your child draw that picture of who they're going to be while creating the the right environment for them to do so yeah and then and then i want to reflect on on one more thing that you sure. said that probably should avoid showing our disagreements in front of the kids absolutely and yeah this is something that i guess we know it both of us and i'm sure a lot of couples out there they know it but it just it just putting this in the practice <laughs> sometimes yeah it just it just is becoming uh, super difficult and sure and, uh, and our, the way we are mentally biased it's just mm -hmm. you want to loud right there yeah and you're right uh, i mean i don't think there's any couple that would be like, i think it's really good to disagree in front of our kids everyone knows this as a ideal or a value but executing it as is the case with every kind of yeah, value is yeah. the hard part and so it's yeah. remembering that whatever's happening in this moment likely fighting about it will be worse than whatever bad i think is happening right now so she's putting nail polish on even this moment this one time of putting nail polish even if it does have a negative impact which i don't think it does but even if it did disagreeing about it will likely have a much more negative impact in front of her. So trying to remember that. But this is where I think what I'm sensing between the two of you is there's a push-pull of the control. And so maybe even if your wife feels like she has more influence on the daughter, then you might feel the sense of trying to get your control in when you can. And then it creates this tension. So I'm feeling some of that between the two of you, which is a, a bigger dynamic for both of you to look at so that this push-pull isn't constantly there because it's going to show up with every decision 
you have to make. Well, whenever there's a disagreement, if you agree, there's no problem. But when there's any kind of disagreement, it's going to turn into a battle. And we don't want that to happen. And that's the feeling I got from both of you in the conversation, which is something I'd want you to, to look at. And even if it's something deeper, could consider going to couples therapy to talk about it because it's about the couple, your relationship, and then how it's going to impact your parenting as well. No, sure, sure, understood. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, sure. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Frey, for your time and your comments. My I mean, that, that's, that's very uh, uh, comforting hearing from uh, your opinion. And, you know, and I, and I just had to do this because he, he told me whatever Dr. Frey says. I said, <laughs> I said okay, I'm okay. going to get on a call with him. So. I'm glad to hear that. But I hope you also heard the parts where I was saying of making sure you understand him more and being aware if you're, yes. you're doing the controlling yes. part too. So I know the, it was like a nail polish question, but the issues are much bigger than that. And I hope you'll look oh, yeah, at that, those time. things. Yeah, big okay. Time. Yeah, thank you so nice much. Nice talking so with you that, both. That gave, me a, that gave me a very comfort zone that I'm going to do nail polish tonight for her. So. <laughs> you could do that. But yeah, it's good. We'll see what happens down the line with the other things that will come up. But yeah, that, that sounds like <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah, I hear your point. Okay, good <laughs> to you, talk you so to you much. both. Take care. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, let's go to another commercial break. We'll be right back. Back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for calling. Hi. Thank you for uh, taking uh, my call. Sure. So I was asking about the uh, chief. Uh, like she's uh, like uh, six and a half years old. And uh, first question is uh, that, uh, you know, when we go to school and then we come back, and I'm asking that what happened? How was the school? And he, he told me, I don't tell you. And I'm just wondering why hmm. he doesn't want to tell me. You mean you're, so just I'm clear, this is your six and a half year old son? Yes. Okay. And you're saying when you pick him up from school and you say, how was your day? He says, I don't want to tell you? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why. Okay. Um, in general, does he talk to you a lot, tell you things? Yeah, he does. Okay. He does. He talks, but I don't know why. Sometimes he said it was good, but sometimes he said, "I don't tell you." I'm thinking maybe he just learned from other kids, or I don't know. But a couple of times he said that someone pushed him, and then when he wanna push her back, that kid said, "Oh no, don't push me," and then my kid didn't push him. Then I went to the school and talked to the principal mm-hmm. about it, but uh, I don't know why he's telling that I don't tell you. Well, you know, um, now is it he pl- is he playing a game or something? It's possible, but the way you said it, at least your story of it was that he tells you he had a good day, but then other days he said he didn't. It could be that he has a hard time telling you when he doesn't have a good day or he does has had a bad day. Because we that's always something parents have to be aware of. Obviously, it's easy to share good news, but bad news is when it's harder or bad feelings is when it's yeah. more challenging. And so, you know, this situation where he um, had gone to some kind of, you know, disagreement or pushing with this child, I, I'm wondering how he felt about how you dealt with it, like going to the school and talking about it. I, I don't know enough about the situation to say you shouldn't have gone. But do you 
think he liked how you dealt with the situation by going to the school? Yeah, I, I think so because, you know, uh, that kid. I talked to the principal. They, that kid did it again and again, and then uh, uh, again I talked to the teacher and principal, and I, I don't know, I don't know is he doing it still that or no, but he, that kid is just uh, uh, smaller than my kid, but he, she, he's just kind of rude. And then push him. And when my kid want to push him back, he just said, don't push me, don't push me. So probably my kid is scared and didn't push him. I don't know. Maybe. Or he just, you know, he feels bad for him, doesn't want to push him. It's not clear. The thing I was saying is I want you to be aware of, you know, even if you're going to go talk to the school, um, I, I recommend talking to your kids about that, meaning that what a lot of parents do is, oh, something's going on, I'm just going to go talk to the teacher at the school without having the kid feel involved and they can feel very out of control at times that, you know, because maybe it becomes an issue or the parent goes and causes a scene or creates a different type of problem for the child, you know, now that they're, you know, talking about it in a different way. So I would always prefer you talk to your child about that, that, you know what, it seems like you and this boy had a, a disagreement. What do you think about talking to the school or talking to someone there to see if we can help with this issue you're having together, you know, to make him feel more like he's part of it. Because I can't say this is what's going on, but if he feels that if he tells you he had a bad day, it's going to turn into some issue at his school, he might not want to tell you because he's like, well, if I tell mom about this kid who teased me today, maybe she's going to come to the school and talk to them without, and it'll be out of my control. So at least if I don't tell her, I can keep it in my control. Yeah, always I tell her that if somebody like bother you or push you you need to tell to the uh, teacher uh, but I don't know he just did a bit shy and then the other thing when he is uh, coming back from school just keep watching the TV I say okay 20 minutes I put the timer but after 20 minutes he just want to you know continue and then you know well, okay, so well, it's going to be important to come up with boundaries for him and also with him, I should say. So, you know, when he comes home from school, if you feel like, okay, he can watch, you know, we can talk to him a little bit. If TV is okay, then we want to do our homework or something. You can you can do that. But the thing is, if you make a rule for him, you have to stick to it. You know, you're saying I tell him 20 minutes, but then, well, when 20 minutes comes, of course, he doesn't want to stop watching TV. It's fun. He enjoys it. So... You have to make the rules with him, and then once you do, make sure you keep those boundaries firm, meaning that you don't just say, oh, well, he's having fun, so we'll do it again, because then the next day, maybe you want him to stop, and he won't feel like he needs to stop, because the day before, you let him keep watching, you know? So um, it seems like you don't want to make him feel bad, so you don't want to stop him, but it could be important to realize you're hurting him more by not keeping your word to him which is if you make a boundary or say this is a rule and you don't keep it, it's almost like in an indirect way you're lying to him about what you're saying. Yeah, but he starts crying and yelling. Okay. Well, that's why I'm saying we want to make it with him. Like, So I wouldn't just say when you come home, you have to only watch 20 minutes. I would ask him how long, you know, not when it's happening. So have a conversation with him outside of the moment when he's coming home because at that moment it's going to turn into a fight probably. But at nighttime or another time, you know, Sometimes when we talk about ha watching TV after school, it, uh, you know, I know we fight about it, but let's come up with a rule 
or a plan together. How long do you want to watch TV after school? And also trying to talk to him about the why, you know, I don't probably you want him to do his homework or you want him to make sure he finishes something or not watches too much TV, but make it part of a conversation. But if you just make a rule and then force him to try to enforce that rule, then you're going to create these power dynamics and then he's going to cry. And now you're teaching him that if you don't want to do something, you cry and you cry harder and yell, and then I'm going to give you what you want. So you have to be aware that you're, you're teaching him something that's actually not good for him when you give in to the, the crying or the, you know, what he's doing in those moments. Yeah, excellent. Thank you so much, Doctor. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, just before you go, though, I want to make sure we, you know, it, it's a tough thing to change these types of dynamics with with your child. So it'll take yeah. some time to make sure you give him more structure and realize it's for him, not to try to hurt him. You know, it's not that we don't want him to watch TV because we want him to be bored or not have fun. It's that we're want to make sure he has balance or is doing things in that way. And about yeah. the school thing, I would want you to think about can you handle his and this also relates to what you're saying happens with the school uh, and with the tv can you handle his negative feelings like let's say if he's sad how do you respond because sometimes parents and from talking to you i am picking up on this feeling that i wonder if he was very emotional how you would handle that would you be able to stay calm if he was very upset or angry or sad yeah, I just ask him what happened. What yeah, but I mean, how do you think you respond if he says like, I'm so sad, mom, or he's crying, or he had a really bad day? Do you feel like you're yeah. able to stay calm? Yeah, I try, and okay. then I ask him why you are sad, for example. Yeah, and even before I would say why, trying to understand, we do want to ask the why to understand it, to make sure we make him feel like he's okay to be sad, it's okay to be crying. We want to understand so we can be there for him and to help him. But as I was saying, my feeling in talking to you and the, even just the tone of voice, it sounds like you might get stressed out if he is showing a lot of feelings. And that's why I'm asking that for you to think about how can I handle his negative emotions better that I don't get more upset than him or I get upset and it makes it hard for him to tell you because maybe that's part of why he says I don't tell you because he knows it'll make you upset if he's upset. Oh, so I should ask him that he doesn't tell me that he's sad. Well, that, and that's what I mean is that it's prob maybe over time this has happened that he's learned not to tell you. So it'll take some time, but you have to be aware of how am I responding when he, even when he cries about the TV, let's say, or whatever else is going on. How do you respond in trying to be more calm and show him that you can handle his feelings? when there are these negative feelings. Yeah, when he's happy, I'm sure you're happy, that's good. But let's say he's sad, he's upset. How are you responding to that? Which is hard because, of course, you have your own feelings so too. So probably the best thing that you recommend that we should do. So what I mean, it's more of a general understanding of, let's say he's really sad. Of course, you want to show you care, but if you get very reactive in the way you respond to it, let's say, oh, it's okay, don't worry, you know, very stressed out about it, or if he's crying and you say, okay, okay, yeah, just do this, then he will get the feeling that mom can't handle my feelings. Mom can't handle my big feelings, my bad feelings, my sad feelings. And so he then will not feel as comfortable to share them with you. So it's more of a general way for you to think about this. Am I making it easy for him to tell me those negative 
those negative feelings to give him that space to feel comfortable to tell you. So it's not just to say this to him and he's going to tell you. How he yeah, feels so, takes some time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, I try to be calm, and then, uh, and I'm sorry. Can you tell me what should I do, please? Sure. What I do? Well, as I said, it's not going to be just a clear do this, but um, to slowly, you're going to have to show him that when he's upset, you can handle that. So let's say he starts crying. How you respond if you can stay more calm doesn't mean you show him you don't care of course you want him to feel that you care but let's say for example i work with with families and if their child is crying the parent starts freaking out they get oh my god no it's okay let's do they get very worried and anxious and i'm not saying this is what you do but giving you an example and so yeah. if the parent responds in that way then the child doesn't feel like i can go to my mom or my dad and cry and they can handle it they feel like my mom or dad can't handle me crying so i have to keep it from them and even unconsciously they might figure this out it's not necessarily it just doesn't feel safe to do it so they go away from sharing the feeling so that's what I mean is that for you to think about because I'm sensing some anxiety in how you communicate from just our conversation could be right could be wrong and so I'm wondering how you would tolerate her uh, your child's reaction when he's feeling something that's that's what I want you to think about as a bigger picture thing now when it comes to him not telling you we can't force him you pick him up and says, I don't want to tell you. And some of it could also be not just that he doesn't trust you with his feelings. There could be a sense of he's starting to internalize a sense of his own self. So it's like, oh, there's things that I do that mommy doesn't know about. And that's not all bad. You know, he has to be his own person and he shouldn't just be completely transparent where everything he thinks or does you're going to know about, especially as he gets older. So there could be some of this what we can call like individuation and differentiation where he's becoming his own person or so he's like oh yeah mom I don't tell you about everything that happens that's some of my school life that you know you might not know about so we don't want to also make him feel bad that he's not telling you maybe he wants to have his own sense of self and privacy that can be okay but then the other aspect of it we'd want to be aware of how easy is it for him to tell me he had a bad day or something bad happened and as I said how do you respond if something happens. And I know you said, I think he was okay when I went to the, the school and the principal, but I want you to talk to him about it next time. If something like that comes up, hey, you know, this thing, what do you think? We go to the school and talk about it and see what he might say. Oh, no, mom, I don't want to. And, and, you know, it'll be a conversation, but making sure he feels more okay with how you deal with those things. So just a few things for you to think about. There's no magic trick to get him to tell you things, um, but we want to first understand him and show him that that's our primary focus. And hopefully over time, he might feel more comfortable sharing things yeah, with you. Yeah, but, you know, the, at this age, maybe it's not a problem, but if he gets bigger and bigger, you know. So the, of course. The kids should tell the parents you know, everything. Not everything, no. More maybe than you feel like you want, you know, but not every. We don't want to give him the feeling he has to tell you everything, especially as he gets older, less. You know, he's going to have a social life, a private life, and as he gets older, you know, romantic life, all those things that you don't have to, he shouldn't be telling you everything about those things. Yeah, but my minute is like a junior, like a, when he's like in junior high school mm -hmm. or something like that. But, well, and that's know. what I'm saying. I want you, that's, and it could be good to think of it that way. He's only six, that as he's getting older and, you know, the things he can do will get more 
you know, they could have more consequences, but we want to show him he can tell us more. So you have time to try to change this dynamic, but it's going to be a longer type of a thing. It's not that, okay, he has to start telling me now and, and don't put it on him. You have to tell me more. Think about from yourself. Keep asking yourself, how easy is am I making it for him to tell me things? How easy is it when he tells me and how I respond rather than just, okay, how do I pull it out of him? You know, so you want to create the space for him to tell you rather than to pull it out of him to get it out of him. Yeah, and the other thing, what I, I'm just wondering, the, he doesn't like the food that I'm making at home. Okay. So he likes like the fast food, unfortunately. And he starts just, when he gets older, he starts, you know, eat uh, like homemade food, less and less. Okay, well, and that's a whole, problem. that's a whole other, you know, type of, issue you know I, I have other people on on the line and i, I want to make sure i get to them as well but this also seems like it's coming into control and in some of these issues and it could be he has an anxiety about things um about certain foods and textures i don't know if that's what he has he's preoccupied with certain so things maybe it's like delicious the fast food they are they can be delicious and that's it actually came up with the previous caller we want to be aware of what we expose kids to because then they can get used to things sometimes that aren't healthy if they watch TV, you're bringing that up. Yeah, if they watch TV 12 hours a day, they won't want to go do something else. So we have to be aware of those things. But what I would want you to be careful about is not creating a power struggle with him because I'm feeling some of that in what you're saying. And so it becomes this like, I'm going to force you to eat this versus that. It's probably not going to help. It's not an easy issue to resolve, but just being aware of power dynamics almost never go well for anyone. They really, they can't go well. It becomes a fight rather than uh, about what we're even dealing with. So I wouldn't push it too too hard. There's not these easy solutions. And in your voice, I'm feeling like they're really bothering you and you want to fix it, which is understandable. But also when we try to fix it too fast, we sometimes try to get too drastic in what we do. So it's going to take yeah, steps. You know, he, he likes fast. We understand he likes to taste the fast food. It's not something weird about him or bad, but we want to encourage him towards healthier food. How do we do that? But we're not going to force it either because that's not going to work. He's going to get pushed more the other way. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Sure. I really appreciate for your time. My pleasure. Nice talking with you. Have a nice day. Nice. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Let's go to our last commercial break. We'll be right back. So to conclude the show today, I wanted to uh, talk about a theme that came up with a few of the parents that, um, that I talked to today. This, this idea of how we respond to someone or how easy we make it for them to speak with us. So as a parent, of course, with anything that's going on, you need to know the information about what's happening in order to to help and take care of it, right? Just like if you are monitoring some kind of machine you have these readings that come up different instruments that tell you different things okay the gas let's say your car gas is this level oil is this level the temperature of the engine is this level and you kind of have an idea of what needs to be done and taken care of are there problems are you okay and the only way you can know is by by getting that information and so as a parent you of course care about your children and their well-being and so you want to get information from them in how they're doing physically, emotionally, in all sorts of ways, and then even bigger picture things as well. But so you're trying to understand how to help them. So it's understandable to want to get that 
information, to want to know what's going on. Of course, any parent would want to know if something is wrong to be able to help their child. That makes total sense. So very commonly you'll hear parents say, well, my, my kid doesn't tell me anything or doesn't tell me what's going on. And so a few things come up related to this. One is, to some degree, as it came up with this last caller, there there's some degree of uh, developmentally appropriateness to this that a child doesn't have to tell you everything, especially as they get older. Some parents will say, oh, my teenager doesn't tell me anything. Well, that could be a problem, but your teenager shouldn't be telling you everything about their life either. It's understandable that now they're figuring out some things on their own or thinking about things, and their peers are going to be even more important to them than parents are, and that's developmentally appropriate and needed, and we have to give them some of that space. So some of that is just natural and normal, and we have to accept that as much as we want to know, sometimes that comes more from our anxiety of wanting to control everything rather than it's the appropriate amount of communication uh, that we, we should expect. But the other thing is that we have to recognize how easy am I making it for my child to tell me what's going on? Because often we're only focused on the fixing part and not the understanding part. So yes, of course, we want to help them with anything they're going through. We also want to show them what we want to understand what they're going through first, what's happening with them rather than, oh, this happened. Okay, you're hurting. Let's just fix it rather than, oh, how did you get hurt? What's going on? Let me understand that. And also, as I was mentioning with the, especially the last caller, very common thing that happens is as parents, how you respond to the negative is very important. Usually the positive is easy to deal with. Now, even some parents can make that feel bad in some way, either get overly excited or even sometimes parents will say negative things to positive things in some way of thinking of parenting. But usually the positive emotions are not too much of a challenge for most of us personally and interpersonally and as parents. It's the negative feelings that we can respond to more in ways that can make it harder for someone to share them with us. In general, it can be hard to share negative feelings. We want to because it can feel better when we have someone we feel safe and secure with, comfortable with, have that trust. It feels so good to be able to share our feelings. In a way, when we share our feelings, we also share the burden to some degree. Someone is helping with us carry that load. So if you emotionally, a child is sad, a parent shouldn't think I'm going to take it away but by sharing it, I can help them to feel better eventually to the point where it might go away completely over some short or longer period of time. But I'm not going to take it away, but I can share it with them. So we want to give them that space. But in order to allow them to share their burden of feeling with us, we have to be able to take care of ourselves enough in general and then in that moment that our reaction doesn't create more of a burden for the child which is what happens sometimes. So your child says, I'm feeling sad about school or I don't feel good about something. And the parent, oh no, that's not good. What are we going to do? We have to fix it. And now the child feels like they have to take care of you or they're freaked out by your reaction. And they think that this is scarier than not telling you. So we can understand, as I was saying, it's not necessarily a conscious decision. They sit in their room and they write a declaration to themselves to not share their negative feelings with you. But when it comes to sharing a feeling with you, they already feel an anxiety that says, don't do it or just don't even go there or put it away. And slowly they might disconnect from those negative feelings because it doesn't feel safe to share them. And it's safer to not feel them themselves than to feel them and try to put them away. So they'll, they'll try to disconnect. So you have to be very aware of how am I responding 
to my child's feelings. You'll also hear terms like a container. So for a container to be able to contain something, the walls of whatever it is, whether it's a glass, a cup, a building, have to be strong enough to withstand whatever is being put in it, right? So if you pour uh, you know, water into a cup, but the cup starts to melt, well, then it's not a container. It can't handle what you're putting in it. And so as a parent, if you can't handle your child's feelings by staying calm enough, and this is the tricky part, because if you don't react at all, it feels very cold. If someone says, um, you know, my uh, sister just died in a car accident, you say, okay, cool. Like, that's not good to show no feeling because they won't feel like you're with them, like you understand them. So if your child comes to you and they fall and they're crying, you know, a parent, you'll see it and it's very, in a loving way, they respond with some sad, oh, that hurts. Are you okay? You know, there's some feeling of it's hurting, but also with control. If the parent starts freaking out and screaming and crying, the child is going to feel worse. So there's a way of showing I'm with you. I can feel that I could see that that was hurtful and I can see that you're hurting but I'm also able to handle your feeling and also give you some reassurance that you're gonna be okay, you're gonna be fine. Not that you have to immediately be fine, not that you have to stop crying, not that you have to you know, suck it up and you know, boys don't cry or kids shouldn't cry or any of those things, but it's going to be okay. And you're giving them that empathy and reassurance at the same time. But if you find yourself with a child, whatever age, and you feel like, you know, my child doesn't seem to tell me when they're not okay, first of all, ask them, am I okay with them not being okay? That can be tough for a lot of parents. I want my kids to be happy all the time. That's problematic. And how do I respond when they do tell me how they're feeling? Do I think that feels comfortable, safe, feels good for them? Am I making sure I'm not adding any kind of emotional burden to them? Because if I want to know how they're doing and how they're feeling, that means I have to be willing to hear the unpleasant stuff as well and show them that's okay all right that brings us to the end of today's show thank you to all the callers and the listeners and also to farhuda here in the studio you've been listening to in session with dr fatty Delaqui. have a wonderful day mm-hmm.